Ready? Hello and welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast. This is episode 32-8 and we are your hosts. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernell. And every week we listen to great video game music from all consoles and all generations. And this week is no different. We have music from video games. Lots of video games. Actually the same number of video games we always do too. <laughs> but that's not a bad thing because... You need to keep some for the next episode. I'm going to ask you this right now, and we can just leave this in the show. Uh, is the sound coming in okay for you in the headphones? Yeah. Good. What? I, because my, I think my, my ears are just clogged because of uh, allergies. <laughs> no, it's fine. I can hear you just fine. I'm usually, uh, usually a lot more professional than this. Oh, I'll just turn the volume up. Holy moly. <laughs> I think I need a new microphone. Uh, I have a headphone mixer here. Um, I just need a new one. I got uh, the cheapest one I could find on Amazon. Because that's just how I do for now. It's time to upgrade. No, it goes. Yeah. We work hard. We have listeners who help us out. We put have. That, put that money to use. We, can oh, we, upgrade. we love retro video games. We love retro consoles. I shouldn't have to deal with like modern technology. I should, I should be able to be like, hey, I could actually afford modern technology. Maybe I should just use it. And I'm like, nah, this would work. <laughs> what a 45-Q audio <laughs> tuner from 1992. <laughs> if Radio Shack was still around, I would be like buying all my cables and stuff from Radio Shack and just. Because back in the day, that's what I used. Everything I would get was like from Radio Shack, like a mixer from Radio Shack, and like all that stuff would break like immediately. Mm. It would never ever work, or it was like the worst quality. But like when you're in high school, you're like, ah, it's the same thing. It's just a plug to a plug, and you got a plug. And back then, when I was in high school, I thought Radio Shack was like tech heaven. As a guy who was unfamiliar with tech, I got mm. my first computer from there. I convinced my mom to take out a two thousand dollar credit card loan. Oh, you got is that a Tandy? No, I wasn't a Tandy. It was a 133 megahertz uh, Windows 95. Oh, oh, so yeah, later. Yeah, well, that was my first computer. Literally, before that, I was just mooching off of all of my friends' PCs. Huh. Like I, I, I think I told the story on the show before about how when I was really obsessed with Persona One when it first came out, mm-hmm. uh, I would go to his house on weekends and look up FAQs like the Henry Lapierre FAQ, and then one day I had the bright idea to use his dot matrix printer to print the entire <laughs> I FAQ. I remember that story. Yeah, hundreds <laughs> of pages. His dad wanted to kill me. <laughs> Worth it. Worth it. Uh, it, it, nowadays, you can print double-sided on these things. So that the dot matrix wasn't going to go, and then, <laughs> then they put the page back in. <laughs> Did it have like the little holes? Had on the to side? rip the sides off. Oh yeah, it was that kind too. of paper. Uh, what was the um, what was the name of that software? It was like on all of the old PCs. It was called like, Print Workshop or Print Works. I was going to say Lotus One Two Three, but I think that was like a, te- a word type software. Lotus Notes people still use for email, like especially like law firms and stuff. They can't get rid of it. I was, I was at a tech conference and um, a couple, with a couple other IT people, and they're like, yeah, so yeah, but most of our stuff is in the cloud now, but I just can't get rid of Lotus. Hey, just, I, they won't let me get rid of Lotus. I'm like, everyone's like, we feel you, brother. Hey, I can't hate <laughs> it. If I could have kept Windows XP, I would have. So A lot of people would have, but and then you would be just covered in viruses and ransomware. And also worth it. Also worth it. Um, anyway, so last week, what was, what was our show last week? It was about animals. And more. I really, I really, really enjoyed that one. That so was, I thought, was it you that said it? Were you like you regret? It was either you or someone said that they regretted it not being on the show. Baku Baku. That I was, me. Say it was I, you. I think I started the show saying like, "Darn, I should have picked from Baku Baku." Coming <laughs> next. But this episode is a little bit more. Um, it's more meta, I would say, because this is a this is a 
Purnell on the show. We're going to dig into this is the Purnell metaverse, the Purnellaverse, <laughs> the Purnell reviewverse. The Pur- I think we're going to call this episode the Purnell multiverse, <laughs> uh, because we're going to be looking at or listening to games that Purnell has reviewed on other podcasts and websites. So to put in some context on this, um, I've always been playing video games and there wasn't a time in my life that I can recall where you couldn't have asked me to tell you about a game and I would enthusiastic praise or denounce the, that said title. Mm. Um, but I didn't actually start doing reviews and having them recorded or you know placed onto a website for people to consume up until maybe 2016. I got asked on um, SML to cover for a person because he was away in France. Mm. So I was like, hey, well, we need to get this game reviewed, and he's gone. Do you think he'd be able to help out? I'm like, sure. It was Amnesia, the collection on PS4. Right, okay. And after I reviewed that game and liked it, and he's like, you want to review another one? And I said, I would. And I kept doing it for like seven years. So because this is the Purnell Multiverse and we're going to be talking about these games that you have history with, we should plug these other programs. That's right. So so this was the SML podcast I'm describing right now. And that is a, um, I see a bi-weekly. As I, as I, I didn't even get the word. I've never heard twice weekly podcast yeah bi-weekly for me it's like it's like every two weeks or is it twice a week that would be every two weeks bi-weekly is every two weeks which is why i had to catch myself i I think it's actually twice weekly i've heard it both ways for now i'm not (laughs) just making this a psych joke or is this like i've heard it both ways yeah, yeah. I've heard it both ways all the time. And I'm, I'm always like, am I saying it right? Well, bi- about, well when you hear someone bi- say bi-monthly, monthly, you get a subscription issue every two months. That's bi-monthly. Right. So bi-weekly but would be every two weeks. A lot of people would say like, oh, well, uh, how do you get paid at this job? Is it every month? They're like, oh, no, no, no. It's, it's bi-monthly. Well, let's be you honest here. twice a, twice that goes, a month. That's along the lines of like this week, next week, the following week. And whenever you say the following week, people get thrown for a loop. Like, what, which one is the following? Is it next week because it follows the current week? Well, or is it the I, following the next week? Week. I ride like, a bicycle. It's got two wheels. It's not one <laughs> wheel and another wheel a week later. What? <laughs> Sorry. Two I, episodes. No, I was hilarious. I digress. <laughs> two episodes per week, and I appear on one of them every week. Okay. Um, every once in a while, I'll wow. be on the second. Like, for example, last week's episode, there was an episode where we had one of the main sound designers and a few of the artists that composed for the game Soundfall that just came out on, like, everything. Mm-hmm. And that was actually a pretty cool, like, dialogue slash interview. Um that was an episode where I just kind of came on because like, hey, we're having these people. You want to join? I was like, sure. Uh, but so SML, we really prattle along, gab a lot, and then we do game reviews. I'm not going so far as to say it's professional. Think of it as more like fun national. Uh, yeah. And we have a good time, but also the language could get a little more colorful than you'll hear on Rhythm and Pixels. Now, the other thing that I do game reviews for, though unfortunately not as frequently because of the time commitments, is Hey Poor Player. It is right. a video game website that does video game news and video game reviews. Fantastic product, fantastic site run by wonderful people. And the, it just, it's a good show. And the thing about that is like, I'll never forget how I ended up on that show. And I don't think this is like 2MI. I think it's actually a funny story. Is um, It was a PlayStation Vita like group one day that I was in on Facebook. And it was a typical gamers arguing back and forth. And I ultimately ended up putting some jerk in his place because he was being rude mm-hmm. on the site. And I was passionate about putting him in his place and then talked up a game at the same time. And then the editor of the site was like, hey, I saw you have that dialogue in there, man. Do you think you'd be interested in doing some writing too? 
Because he saw how much I written and all that. Oh, so based based on based on your your argumentative writing. Yes. He was like perfect. Let's just do it. like this guy would be <laughs> yeah. great for a writing for writing oh, on I the like site. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the mm-hmm. very first game I reviewed for him because he gave me a trial game to see how I would do. It was the Mummy Demastered. Oh, which yeah, cool ends game. up being a great game. Yeah, very cool game. And after that one, the second one, I think I was telling you earlier in the episode to actually was Tokyo Tattoo Girls, and that game was abysmal. Um, but that's also when I learned that. Apparently, while it is more fun to gush verbally about games I like, I have a real penchant for writing lots of fun words about <laughs> games I don't like. Like, there's almost more fun to write about games you dislike than games you do. Yeah, put it on the dark side a little bit, right? Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's like it's criticism at its peak. It's like let me break this down and tell you how much I hated it. Which is, again, strange because I don't like like if we're talking right now, mm-hmm. I don't want to talk to you about a game I hate. I want to tell you about a game I want you to play. Yeah, you know. So, but think of like writing it as like a cautionary tale. And we sort of like toyed around with doing a separate podcast feed for the show called Pixel Plays, and mm-hmm. we would just have like a really quick like one-off reviews of, of games, and that we didn't do that anymore. <laughs> we did like three times. You can find all that on the website. It's all it's all very organized. If you want to go click on some things and explore the the Robin Purnellverse, but today is the Purnell the Purnellverse, and this is interesting too because the multiverse of madness. Like, while I the know Purnell- the games that I reviewed, like, well, let yeah, me which ones that, did I, I have a list of many of them. Like, fun fact, I've reviewed almost actually over six hundred and fifty video games. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to remember all of them, and I'm actually wondering if you're going to name one that I didn't. But I know most of my games. Rob, on the other hand, what did you do, Rob? I picked. I looked through the website. Oh my god! And there's like over 700 episodes, and so I only looked in the last hundred. <laughs> <laughs> that makes things a little easier for me. I, I don't bet. know when you started. 2015. I'm sorry. In like September, no, November 2016. Okay, so very well could have been like the beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Because that show's been around for a long time. Okay, so it was earlier. Earlier. Anyway, I only looked in the last hundred, and even then. Okay, first episode I had a review on was December 9th, 2016. Unbelievable. Because I kept the list. All right, there you go. All right, so uh, I'm going to start with the track from a game called Loop Hero. Remember Loop Hero? Oh, I know Loop Hero. All right, the track is called Killer X Chase. The artist is Blinch. Let's get started.
like that. I love that synth sound. That's a really cool sound. Because everything is like that kind of chiptune sound, except for that one. It's like a screaming kind of synthesizer. God, the OST for this game is legit. I'm glad you picked from this one. Oh, good, good. So this is called uh, Killer Cross Chase or Killer X Chase from the game Loop Hero. The artist is uh, Blinch. Um, I I didn't look up the real name. I think it's like like Damien. I think it's Damien. Damien Blinch. (laughs) <laughs> which sounds like a cool name, honestly. But, <laughs> but the, the, the artist's name is going by as Blinch. It is cool. I really like the sound. The, the artwork for this is really dark. I'll tell you this. Of all the games I picked from, I didn't watch anything about them except for one. And where I'm playing that show, I'm playing that game at the end of the show. Okay. Um, so I was hoping you could tell me a little bit Oh, I was, I was. Gone. I'm gonna put you on the spot with every, with every song. That's why I thought it'd be pretty funny if you ended up picking something like, well, I don't remember anymore. And but okay. thankfully, this is the first one where I know for a fact I remember. So, good, good. first and foremost, I gave this a bite. Um, for SML, the rating system generally goes. It's a very loosey goosey format. It's either deny it, try it, buy it, or beep it. Why not? Um, <laughs> the latter being essentially a game that's so cheap right. that you may as well just buy it and see for yourself. That seems like an important kind of rating to have, you know, where it's, it can't be like best, best, bestest, best. It's like, no, because not a, sometimes it's like, you know what? It's five bucks. Try it. And I think the reason why yeah. I like that rating system the most, and I'll talk about the game, yeah. is that uh, a lot of websites and publications have to go, they, they adhere to that numeric rating scale, 9, 10, 7, whatever. Right, right. And it's been so busted at this point. Like People will look at a 6 like it's a bad review, like, no, 6 is just above average. Mm. But no one uses that scale anymore. It's been dis- it's been tainted. Um, but with that rating scale that we've got on, this sh- on that show, you almost have to listen to what we have to say about the game. Because if you don't, that final statement actually doesn't mean anything. It's just words that have no value. You can't quantify it for Metacritic. It's just some words. Yeah. So you have to listen to dialogue. It's, it's like um, you go into a, you go to Rotten Tomatoes before you go to a movie, and it's like, oh, it's it's only sixty five percent. But like, you don't know how it got to sixty five. Yeah. You're not looking at all those reviews. It's just like, how did it get to sixty five? It's like like the aggregate only means so much. Right, so you, how how did this get to buy it? So this game is a very odd game in the scope of games. Um, in fact, I would go so far to say you barely play anything. Um, you are just in a world where, like, the lich essentially erases the world. Like, he shows up, waves his hand, and just erases everything. But then suddenly, a road appears, a cyclic road, and a lone hero shows up. And he doesn't remember anything. He's just walking around this loop. Huh. And as he walks around the loop, he slowly starts to recall things. And those recollections appear in your inventory in the form of like land tiles, like mountains, forests, uh, events, towns, or whatever. Oh, cool. And as the player, your job is to place these tiles somewhere around the world map. He just walks and does his own thing, but mm. you have to s- create the world That's for him. He's always moving, and then like with his memories of what the world is, you're placing them down. You're placing them oh, down. That's a very clever idea. Now, each yeah. of these tiles has an effect of sorts. Mm. Like some might increase his hit points, some might increase like his attack power, mm. some might result in monsters popping up on the road that he has to fight. Um, and there's this interesting balance of that because if you put down too many monsters, he'll become overwhelmed and he won't win. You don't put in enough monsters, he won't be strong enough to fight the Lich at the end of the game. Right, because he needs like, the experience points and stuff to do that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. I, I, you're describing it like a board game. 
because it feels like a like, board like game. It could, could be a really good board game. It really would. Yeah. In fact, I feel like as at its core, that's what it would be. Like, if a board game with four players existed, the way this game would have to transfer in and be like, mm-hmm. okay, each person puts tiles down and you personally score based on what your tiles' effects do and how he responds to the tiles' effects. And you have to place them in accordance with where he is on the map to benefit or de- give him detrimental effects. Mm-hmm. It's a... It's a really fun game that I like to call it the kinds of games that I shouldn't like. Like, you're not supposed to like them, and yet you can't put them down. Mm. Like, it doesn't feel like a game, but it's clearly making you think like a game. And it, at the time, it was one of my favorite games I had played for a bit. Like, I was into it. And then you eventually cut to a point where you come across a town of other people who are, like, slowly coming in and, like, fading into life. And they don't know what's going on, but they're just trying to make sense of things. And you are collective as a group work together to try to, like, build the town back mm. up. It's a wonderful game. That's cool. I recommend it to dang near anybody. And I have to say it that way because, again, if you were listening to anything I just said, <laughs> this falls outside of the scope of a typical game. You can't say, do you like RPGs? You'll love Loop Hero. Do you like running guns? You'll love Loop Hero. This is, do you like experimental games? Yeah. Try Loop Hero. I, I'm hoping I chose from experimental games because that's that tends to what intrigues me. It's not something I always want to play, but it's always like I'm always really curious about New ways, new ways to play, and, yes. and new, new, because, because the in in the world, the landscape of games that we live in today, like developers can try anything. You know, people can try anything. People just starting out can try anything, and I love seeing where it goes. And then, of course, like a lot of those those ideas get co opted into into future future things too. Like they might popularize more visual novel style stuff, and then boom, there you go. That stuff gets put everywhere. And the best thing about like you would say like. Because I agree with what you're saying there. Mm. Like, when you think of video games, or heck, let's be honest, you think about media. Yeah, it's Consumable media. media. Yes. Everything's derived from something else. Nothing's new anymore. Yeah. So the trick becomes, how do you take what exists and make it feel unique? Right. Make and it feel new. Put these small indie games where they don't have a lot of skin in the game and they can try something. And that, it doesn't have to be a 60-hour experience. It could be like a shorter type thing and they don't have to... They don't have to put so many people and time into it. They can just craft it over over how many years, but they can try something very different. But here's the beauty to that statement, though, A too. scapegoat. Even though, yeah, that. God, that game is good. Yeah. But even if they can do that, you still have to have the mind to come up with the idea oh, no, for no, the yeah. thing. Totally, totally. And, like, I mean, like, you'll get into you guys where it's like, I'm new to the scene. Here's this cool RPG where you're a lone hero who meets a girl who's in trouble, and you go to save her kingdom with a sword and a will of honor. Like, look, I get it. It's your passion project, and I hope it succeeds. Yeah. But anybody, including the guy who made it, will have to admit it's not an original premise, right? So it's like, this guy said, I'm going to make a game yeah. where you don't even play it. Well, that's the thing about, about, about freedom of creativity. Some people just aren't as creative as others, mm-hmm. and that's okay. And that's okay. Because I'm gonna tell you right now, what my game is gonna be about involves like food wars, but the, the wars being fought by the food For and now. the humans are the ammo. Food wars. Humans are the ammo. Humans are the ammo. <laughs> You're just like shooting people like Pac-Man's, <laughs> and they're flying across the screen like eating things. <laughs> it's like an ant. It's like a, it's a reverse food fight. I've Really like that idea. It could be. I, I would make that game if I had the skill. That's the kind of uh, weird crap floating around up here. All right, what's what's your first track? So we're not here until midnight. <laughs> <laughs> so the first game, or rather the first game OST that I want to pick is the actual track that made me want to do or work with this topic. Okay. Um, this comes from the game Radio Viscera, and the track title. I had a hard time choosing between two tracks. Mm. Um, I'm going to say the name of the other track. It may show up on the show one day. 
the track we're not playing right. is called Destination Defenestration. Okay. <laughs> I love that name. But we're, we not, ha- we're not playing that one. We're not playing so that one. I did one. not type that. You did not type that. <laughs> the track we are going to play is called See Something, Slay Something, and it's composed <laughs> by Owen Deary. Welcome back. You are listening to See Something, Slay Something from the game Radio Viscera, released on Steam and composed, actually, and created by Owen Deary. Uh, Radio Viscera is an interesting game, um, but I'm going to just state before I even talk about the game proper that I absolutely am in love with the OST for this game. I reviewed it maybe two years ago, and the OST is still still in my thoughts. Mm. And keeping in mind, this is a game that I've never heard anyone's talk about so the fact that it gets no press from my friends and i still listen to the ost speaks volumes like i love this music so much uh yeah this 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 is a cool it's, it sounds like a garage rock but like video gamey garage rock which is really neat it's really like like the last track it's very unique sounding yes um and it's it's not a short track either there's just a lot happening in it and it's for, got, for one guy to do. Yes. Yeah. Like he put the work to this, and it shows. And I'm glad that there's a lot going on because for how the game works, you want some music to mm. you know to lay over the mayhem that you are causing. Uh, the idea behind Radio Viscera, and forgive me if I miss some bits here if you're listening to this at any point, Owen, um, is you are a robot who was originally on like an assembly line of sorts. 
and you are tasked with being destroyed, but the machine doesn't perform the task properly. You okay. don't get destroyed. Mm. So you leave, you come out of the rubble, and you start running, you start to leave, and you come across this prototype gun that doesn't fire bullets. It just fires force. Force. It's force. So you press the trigger. And you push and things. push things. Oh, okay. And the whole game is people coming after you to reclaim you and destroy you, and you're just pushing them in the objects to kill them and get them out of your way. Like, push them <laughs> into grinders, push them into smashers, oh. push them into, like, just different things. Mm. And that may sound like it would get old, fast, and boring. Is it kind of really does Is it kind of puzzly? Like, it in is, a way? It yeah. is puzzly. There's also combos you're trying to pull off. Like, you want to keep your score up. Um, it's just a lot of fun. And they do hit you with a number of scenarios where, like, the enemies are like, come at you with, like, crazy guns. Like, okay, what's the best way to sneak around the back, catch this guy, blow him into the meat grinder, <laughs> and then get this guy, blow him yeah. into the acid bath. And it's just... It's a great game, and the entire time this music, these oh, this OST is just playing in your ears. Yeah, it's good. We're gonna have links to the the Bandcamp for all the all the, like. Oftentimes on our show, we don't. There's not like a lot of links to give for the original composers or for the for the music. It's classic games, but for this stuff, there's gonna be. We're gonna have links to everything because a lot of these indie developers and and, and small timer developers, we're gonna have like to have their own Bandcamp pages and things like that. So, but we'll have links to this Owen's Bandcamp for this soundtrack and for the games as well. Because there's, he's got a lot of work up there. Yeah. And honestly, yeah. I would think if you're the type of person who doesn't mind a little violence, because, again, you are literally pushing people into meat grinders. Uh, if you're okay with a little violence in your games. <laughs> is it cartoony? Is it, is it like it's a cartoony. cartoony? It's kinda? cartoony. Yeah. yeah. Like, you're, you're not, like, these getting like, hyper-realistic people. Um, yeah. Like, you're in, like the, you're in a space suit, and you're, like, walking around, and you got this, like, wacky hop bop going to you. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast recently about Mortal Com- the history of Mortal Kombat and the whole series, and it's like, you look back on the original, the original games, and you're like, oh, okay, it was, it was meant to be over the top, and it's funny because it's live actors with, like, you know, it's all it's so pixelated, it's funny. Mm-hmm. But the games they make nowadays, I can't even stomach. I like, agree. And, I, I'm, and that's just me, but, like, I have a hard time with, like, that level of... Um, Realism with that kind of violence. For me, I, I can't even. I can't even watch um, MMA fighting. It's weird yeah. for me. Like I won't go so far as to say that I don't have the stomach for it, but there's this like sense of context that it has to have. Mm. If the context is just we want to be violent, yeah, I really have no taste for. It. Like I remember the first game that made me actually make a stance like that was when the first Manhunt released on PlayStation Two. Yeah, that was a little. And, it, and part of it was like, yeah, graphically it was doing something, but the other way, it was also doing something in a in a horror world. That it was taking the reality TV vibe going. It was like you were yeah. kidnapped, your family was kidnapped, and they were that was what was make that was why they were yeah, able yeah, to force you, were, you to participate. You were, and so, and that's not a new that's not a new trope in horror movies. I'm, I'm sure that's been done here and there, but like to to, to actually to be in control of the media, you know, like you're playing that part, it puts you in a weird. Mood and that's what it was. Like yeah. it's like it's one thing if you were forced to be in this world and you were trying to get out, but you were like you were coy about it. Like I'm not going to come or whatever. Or if the graphics didn't lead to it, but that game was like very visceral for its time for sure. Now people might look at the graphics and go, blocky. <laughs> right, right. Same thing with Mortal Kombat. Back then we were kids, and you're like, he just ripped that guy's head off. Does that mean? He's not going to be in the game anymore. Like, <laughs> no, he'll gone? be back. He'll be back on like, the next like, match. Like if someone like took Dalsim and like ripped his like li- li- ripped his like arms off, he'd be like. So canonically, Dalsim has no arms. <laughs> <laughs> 
But like something like that, yeah, like I won't touch. But by that same token, yeah, yeah. I mean I'll play a Silent Hill game. Oh yeah, it can be as hyper realistic as it wants to be with the deaths and everything because yeah, the yeah. context, the story, what's going on in that game, I feel like the violence makes sense there. Like it's not there just to be right. grody and right. to get to get your tensions up. Yeah, it's yeah, there to yeah. tell I, I like, yeah, the I mean, plot. I do like the zombie the zombie stuff and like trying to eat your brains and you know. But I mean it's not I mean like literal people. Like well, when someone I, when a person dies in Silent Hill, when that ever happens, yeah. you're like, whoa, that happened. I didn't want it to happen. I'm just trying to provide context about what I said earlier. Oh, like, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That like there's 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 I can get into some other things, but again, when it's like when it's like that, it just kinda like sits sits with me wrong. All right, our next game is not going to sit with you wrong. It is, um, yeah, this is called Monster Crown. You remember Monster Crown? Oh, okay. All right, this is Monster Crown, composed by Alex Nivera. We're going to listen to the farm theme. We're going to take it. We're going to we're going to turn the put the brakes on on this fast <laughs> music for a minute. This is the farm theme from Monster Crown, composed by Alex Nivera. I love that lead. It's like, it's like, it's just off a little bit. It's really cute. Um, this is the track. farm theme from Monster Crown, composed by Alex Navarro. This is a, I just want to like strut to this song. It's a bop. Yeah, it is a legitimate bop. So it's like again, it's got a chip tune kind of sound, but if you listen carefully, all of the instruments, uh, the synth instruments, have like a lot of reverb and fullness behind it. So it just sounds. It sounds nostalgic, like you're hearing it almost like in a basement or on a TV, like on an old school TV turned all the way up, you know? Now, just to it make sounds, sure I got great. this right, you didn't look up the game proper, right? So this is just you saying, here's the game, here's the track, I th- and I th- you're giving this description. Yeah, I went through, like, I mean, I didn't, like, watch through any games. I just didn't even read any descriptions. No, I'm good for it. I was like, oh, this looks cute, or oh, this looks neat. Let me hear the music to it. And, and I'm glad like, to hear yeah, that. Yeah. The reason I'm asking, the reason I made that statement is because I think it's interesting that you haven't seen the gameplay. But you made that description because I believe that's what the guy was going for Okay. when he composed this music. Because for those who don't know, Monster Crown is a game that was developed with the intent. I think it even had a Kickstarter. But it was developed with the intent to mimic the vibe that you would have gotten from a Game Boy Color Pokemon game. Oh, okay. <laughs> so Perfect. It, this, is the, this is the music that plays at the beginning of the game. Or not so much the beginning, but it's like the starting area. The, your family's farm. It takes place in a world where monsters are not so much like these cute things you catch and you battle and they become your friends or whatever. It plays in a world where you have to form contracts with the monsters. Like they have to agree to work with you. Oh, I like that. Um, yeah. 
the monsters can be pretty violent. Uh, <laughs> the trainers aren't always so great. But it's a collaborative experience oh, yeah. with the monsters. <laughs> it's interesting. Like you, A person can either take or leave like the whole attempted mature storyline they put into the game and all that. But one thing that I think is worth it to play if you've at any point in time liked Pokemon, classic Pokemon or even the modern Pokemon, but you're okay with retro things, is the fact that what they intended to do with this game was make us that poke or poke, monster breeding <laughs> actually felt like monster breeding. So for those who don't know, in the Pokemon games, you can breed monsters. But what ends up happening is you breed a, 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 a mother and a father Pokemon, essentially. And the Pokemon that comes from the egg is the mother breed. And then you might get some traits from the father being like the nature of the Pokemon or maybe an egg move, quote unquote. But in this game, they actually intended it to be that when you breed the two monsters together, mm. you get this weird amalgamation of the two. Like, they actually become a brand new monster. Oh. And there oh, are a cool. stupid number of combinations in this game that you can create through breeding the monsters. Is, is, is when you put them together, is it procedurally, like, put together? Or is each one actually, like, actual, they, they thought of all of the permutations? I think it, I think they actually thought of the permutations. Mm. Like, there's some crazy things that happen <laughs> in this game. And then there's also breed items, like how Pokemon has items, that can also alter this. And they oh, become wow. new monsters that can then be bred. Oh, that's fascinating. It is wild. Like... That, to me, is the coolest thing I experienced with this game, was just, like, getting monsters and putting them together to get their edges. But what the heck is going to come out of this thing? You might not even keep it. You don't care. You just want to see what comes out of the egg. <laughs> uh, the battles can be pretty tough. Mm. Um, it's it's still got the 1v1, but you can switch monsters in and out by, like, Pokemon's got. Um, so you take that as you will. But... I really do like this game. Like I had a lot of fun playing it. It had some it had some issues. Like it wasn't a perfect game by any means. I think it's very rare I play a game where I'm like, no problems. Perfect game. <laughs> and even if it was perfect, to me, it's still not perfect. Uh but despite that, I still feel like this game did a great job at what it wanted to do. It's a I, I enjoyed what it wanted to be. I enjoyed that it was a very different take on a Pokemon on Pokemon, which in my opinion, and you know how much I like Pokemon. I own so many of their freaking games, but the formula has gotten stale. Mm. So to see someone come out and say, here's one thing we're gonna do that Pokemon's never really done. Yeah, it has been many years. Many, many years. And they are aside from Arceus, they it's like the sort of thing where they almost refuse to change for the most part because, you know, there's money. Like they have shareholders. They they can't just <laughs> put out, like you were talking about earlier, they can't just put out an experimental Pokemon game that's exactly. meant to be their big year release. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People like this can go out there and they can do their own thing. And and there's um, and, and because the market is so big, there is a market for something like this. Um, is this is this like in an 8-bit kind of style, like, like yes. an old school Game Boy style? I like that. I like it that it has much. the full-on Game Boy color graphic style, including like how, remember all in the Super Game Boy, when you put a cartridge in, you could get like that sort of color palette overlay sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though this game isn't one to one like that, it sure as heck feels like it sometimes. Oh, if you're I going love through it. an air, it's just like a shader that's <laughs> just over like a cellophane. <laughs> well, they, want, they want to make you feel like kind of part of it, or and maybe that's part of the experience. And if you're playing a game that's kind of on a, a, a low, low bit style, like mm -hmm. that kind of pixely style, then you kind of want to feel like that experience. I think it adds to it. I think it does add to it. It's not just it's not just a feature or like a kitschy thing, you know. And they totally pulled it off yeah. with this game, Monster Crown. The Monster only thing that Crown. might give people a hurdle might be the price, because I think it retailed at thirty bucks. Mm -hmm. And you know how it is—people like bang well, for it, your buck or whatever. The thing is, it sounds like a big game. 
It sounds there's like a, a lot there. There's a lot. There's a lot. There's of a meat. lot there. A lot of meat to those potatoes. <laughs> oh, ah, ah. Uh, meat to the potatoes. Ah, right. no potatoes. All right. What's your uh, What's your next track? All right. So my next, next track. game. So this comes from a game that I may have actually mentioned on the show before, but for some reason I feel like I wanted to bring it up again today. Mm-hmm. Um, this comes from the game Mech Extermination Force. This was a game I reviewed for Hey Poor Player. Um, the track title is called Endless Climb, and it was composed by Victor Engstrom, who goes by Sonagon and Arnie Orberg. You're listening to Endless Climb from the game Mech Extermination Force. I reviewed it for the Switch, but I'm not sure what other systems it's on. I'm sure it's on other stuff. I, you know, for a lot of these games, I'm kind of leaving the like what system it's on off because it's just on a lot of it's stuff. It's on a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, this was composed by Victor Engstrom, who goes by Sonagon, and Arnie Horberg. Uh, so, first of all, this track has this is an earworm track for me. I mm-hmm. bopped this a fair bit doesn't hurt that I was playing this game for the purpose of the review at a time when I was working a pretty crappy job and I was like, this is a great distraction in the break room. <laughs> um, but the best way to describe Max Extermination Force is, Rob mentioned Contra Hardcore, which is actually better than I was going to say Contra, but Contra Hardcore. Yeah, specifically. You can climb on the on the ceilings and on the walls and stuff. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. It looks like that. So side-scrolling action, but you're, you are tiny and the, the monsters, the mechs, 
are humongous. Humongous. Because that is actually the, the main hook on this game. It's and all the, boss fights. Oh, you play this on this handheld yes, switch. Yes, that's right. Wow, that is tough. I put that work in. Because that's that's that that why the one thing I thought might would be difficult was because the, the character is so small. Yeah, because like, and the thing about it is like somebody might be hearing this and go, "Oh my god, why not just make him bigger?" And I get that. I totally can get why you'd want him to be bigger because it's easier to see. But I think what they were going for was the sheer scale yeah. of the opponents you're being made to fight in this game. You're fighting humongous robots, like the size of skyscrapers. Yes, yeah, yeah. like the level that this back this track plays on. The robot's name is like something along the lines like Macbeth 2.0, and it's a two-headed mecha where you have to like slowly break him and climb up his inner torso, and mm. sometimes his outer torso, to get up and destroy the two heads at the top. And he's like wringing his arm, and he's like punching himself in the sides to hit you. He fires finger lasers at you. Oh, wow. His like innards are like electrified, so like you're like dodging the lasers inside of him as you're climbing up. It is a lot of fun. And you can get like upgrades, like health upgrades, get new weapons you can use, like you know, typical red, like contra type weapons, like a spread gun and mm. lasers and all that. And it's just every boss fight, it's got that vibe. You're like, I can't wait to see what the next boss is going to be like. Is there anything in between? Is there any like gameplay in between? All bosses. It's just all boss. You go back to the base, you talk to a few characters, you get uh, like, buy purchase upgrades and right. stuff. And then it's back out to fight a boss. Oops, all bosses. Oops, all bosses. But in the best way, it's like how I talk about Stretch Panic in that same way that Treasure Mate game from eons ago. Mm -hmm. That game is all bosses, but again, it works there because just like how this game does it, the bosses feel very experimental and unique in their own individual battles. You're like, wow, I can't wait to see what the next boss is going to be. What do they make me do now? Now, is the are, are, is the music like in a different style for each different boss, or is it all this kind of like kind of triumphant, like kind of strings and rock? Kinda? Not so much triumphant, but definitely like the stringiness. Like I feel like I think of it as like a sort of like of a westernist sort of thing. It's very westernist. Okay. Okay. Uh, but it's like, like like a western movie. No, it's not. I think it's what I find funny. Like, it's not even a western style game. It's very like mecha modern. Like. Mm. The guy, everything's mechanical. You know, your guy's got like these weird like gauntlet boots. You eventually get like gravity, like the ability to, like walk, like, super jump, and like, get, like gravity walkers and stuff oh, like okay. that. Like you cool. get character upgrades, but um, the music sounds like it's coming out of a western, like uh. a comedy action western. <laughs> a comedy action western with giant robots. Yes. All right, my next track may not be that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's called Super Sammy Roll. Oh. Yeah. Good, I'm so glad to know that. Evader. That, yeah, Evader. I saw Evader, and I was like, yes, we're going to play the Evader track. This is called Pride and Honor from Super Sammy Roll, composed by Evader.
and you're listening to the track Pride and Honor from the game Super Sammy Roll, composed by Evader. This is cool. This sounds like a boss track. This sounds like or end of game being chased by a roaring inferno out of a building kind of a track. Are you sure you didn't look up any footage for this game? No, I don't. This uh, is hilarious. The game looked cute. Yeah, it, that's what they want you to think. That's what they want you to think. So, put some perspective on this. I chose. I was offered this game for review on SML, and I chose it. I agreed to it specifically because Evader composed for it. I even care about the game at the time. I was like, oh, care. Evader did it. I'm in. Um, because I love everything Evader does. Uh, so, excellent choice and track. Okay. Um, the game, the best way to describe this game is it's meant to elicit feelings of i guess think of like a gamecube game um like I, ha- I have no reference for that i understand <laughs> like it's, i just think of like the colorfulness of a gamecube game okay, okay. and a nintendo controller and all that um your main character's a little dinosaur named sammy you know typical classic um video game plot like his girlfriend was kidnapped by an evil villain and you roll off to the rescue to save her uh the gameplay however is essentially you are a you turn into a ball and you roll very quickly. Okay. So think Sonic yeah, the Hedgehog say, like, type so, like, speeds. Like Sonic rolling down a hill situation. Yes. Okay. He is very fast. Yeah. Uh, you're pretty much cutting turns, you know, rolling over like, you know, speed bumpers and stuff. And you can also jump and you can also stick out your tongue to grapple onto things and spin around <laughs> and fling yourself in the That's directions. Funny. It is a hard game. Very hard game. And there are secret exits and stages sometimes. You can find hidden bonus worlds. The music is really good. It's just—it's a very light, happy vibe to it, but it's also really, like, like really difficult. Punishingly hard. This music is fantastic. Well, it's punishingly not just because the levels are hard, but also because they have the whole, you get an S rank, you get a uh, triple S rank. You're, you're also graded, and so you're, you're chasing the score. Chasing the score high. Now, this track, the reason why I made the comment I did earlier is because you seem to be really good at nailing where these tracks play in these games and it's making me laugh um from what i recall this track played for me at the end of the first world and it was for the boss fight there now with the boss levels it's not just a matter of fighting a boss initially you have to get to the boss Mm -hmm. and on this level you're on a tower surrounded by lava oh okay so i was wow so i feel like that means these composers are super successful and evoking evoking um, the the that feeling because that's I immediately picked it up. And the other part you mentioned about it, like the, like I think you mentioned something almost like tenseness, like trying to get there, like trying to very yeah. quickly hastily yeah, yeah, get you're by. You're being chased by something. Yeah. You're being chased by the lava because right. the lava's rising. You have to scale this tower ah, cool. before the lava gets you. I spent a lot of times dying here. It's a very <laughs> difficult stage, especially if you're trying to get a good rank. The end of world. Oh yeah, so it's like. So, so, are you the kind of player? Okay, I got. I mean, I've seen you play games, but are you the are you the kind of player? Even first playthrough, if you get halfway through and you know you're not going to have a good score or a good rank, and then get to that kind of game, will you stop, reset it, and go back and try it again? I have done that. I won't always do it. it depends on the vibe I'm getting from the level. Like if mm. it was just brutal getting to that point, you're I like, will okay. just clear it and then come back. You're like, you know what? I'm not going to get a better rank now. Yeah, but I'll come back maybe even after beating the level. But at least I'll be able to say I can move on from part of it. But if it's easy it. enough and you made a dumb mistake, you're like restart. Exactly. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's tough. That, that's a that's a GDR thing too, and it's tough to get over that. It's really it's like, hard. Ah, one more time. One, one more, more time. time. My foot slipped. One more time. One more time. Like that's the amazing thing about a lot of GDR. Cause you see me this with pump too. Like scoring is usually always either you're gonna get an S rank, 
maybe an A plus, yeah. or you're going to fail. But those people out there are, are chasing like the the all perfect or the all marvelous scores or whatever. Like in the arcade, they put real money into this thing, miss one step, and they just walk off. I'm like, damn. I never. I'll admit this. I when it comes to those, I never walk. That's off. also. I'm, I'm there for the exercise. At home, so it's too. one thing. I can just like it's in the game. Control R just restarts the song. Yep. But like in the arcade, like that's a lot of time a lot too. Of time. That's a lot pop of time. music. On you know, pop music on the home version, I did do that. I would stop if I missed one note in the combo. You're reset like, the I stage. Can do that better. I reset can do the that stage. Better. But yeah. at pump in the arcade, I'm playing my whole set unless I so mess, I so badly screwed up. And my energy levels won't help me get back on track. I just like screw it. I'll come back later. Right. Yeah, that, that's a stamina thing, though. Like, your energy's like low, right? Yeah, yeah. Now I'm at the point where I'm trying to do like these songs that I kid you not, I could not have done in my 20s. I'm that's, trying to do them in my 40s. Doesn't that feel good that you're like, hey, we're like, you know, we're older, but we're better. Yes, <laughs> I've had people come up to me and go, "Holy crap, yeah. you're good." These are guys who play with the bar, but they're playing at like 17s and stuff. And the reason being is because they like one, they acknowledge I'm older. Two, they acknowledge I'm not using the bar, yeah, and I'm still trying to measure up to what they do without with the bar. So yeah. I'm like spinning around, like my torso's like just flailing around on the machine. It's like, how is he doing that? I'm like, because I always play this way. That's what I do. Yeah, yeah. With doubles, I I, I find that difficult with the bar. Um, I agree. Singles, I mean, I play all the time with the bar, but like doubles, I find I never got used to that feeling, and I think it looks kind of weird. It really does. So You're like, like extending your body. And so I'm out. just kind of like resigned myself to be like I'm never going to be that good at that and it was pump I never actually learned how to do doubles effectively I, I couldn't I can't read the arrows yeah and they're and the levels I'm at now mm. they do have like what do you call them when it's like the gallops and they're like they're like they're not quite on the rhythm but you're kind of like do 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 a flam uh, but that, that's like a drum drum thing. I love that term by the way flam. um yeah. I'm doing a lot of levels now where there's lots of flam um but yeah. since there's no arrow coloring to differentiate between a gallop or a skip or a run or a jog, you ultimately have to just know from the sound that's what they want me to do. Uh, yeah. Uh, for me, I wasn't reading the rhythm. It's just like knowing. Well, you had the vivid arrows on DDR. Oh, DDR, I can. Yeah, yeah. But on pump, I can't because yeah. because it, the up and the down, like like they're the same color. Three. Yeah, it's the same color on either side of the pad. So I have a hard time reading like what side of the pad I'm supposed to be on, and then I'm, I get in my own head and I forget what's up and what's down. It's not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what is your last track? All right, so this next one is an interesting one because I actually reviewed this game for both SML and A4 Flare, which made for an interesting juxtaposition because oh. I had to write about it All and right. verbally discuss it. <laughs> um, this comes from the game The Witch and the Hundred Night 2, um, and the track title is called Mr. Big, composed by Tempe Sato.
Welcome back. You're listening to Mr. Big from the game The Witch in the Hundred Night 2, composed by Tempe Sato. Uh, I was talking about this to Rob earlier, but mm. you know, later on in like June, we're all going to all the podcasts are going to ultimately do this thing called like, the Masters of VGM podcast. The Masters of VGM po- from the podcast. or not podcast, but the theme. <laughs> and uh, yeah, because I mean, not- it's just you and me, and I can't think of anybody else. Oh, stop it, you! Um, <laughs> and I honestly, I'm flat out going to say, don't be surprised if one of my people end up being Tim Sato because. Mm. He's a fairly recent-ish as far as like how VGM podcasters pick their tracks and all. He's fairly recent. Like he was around like in the mid two thousands. Yeah. Uh, with like a lot of PS two games, he was probably doing stuff sooner. But I didn't learn about him until then. Like Gadget Racers and Disgaea One. Uh, he primarily composes for Nipponichi Software mm-hmm. games, and I adore his style. I adore it. He does a lot with violins. Rob described an instrument that I've never heard of in my oh, life. Oh, it's a style. Klezmer. Oh, the style is Klezmer. Yeah, Klezmer style. Yeah. The violin kind of goes in that way, but all the orchestration around it is like very like rock orchestra. Really, I don't know. It's just, it's really unique. Like he, and his, his, um, his, his rhythm with the drums are always really specific too. Like it's very, um, I can't even, it's hard to describe. And the vocals, too. It's always like a little bit of a... a, a <gasps> yeah, exactly. Yeah, some kind of yeah, orchestrated vocal in the background, too. Anyway, I didn't mean it. <laughs> that's okay. But I, I really feel all of his music, but it has a style to it that's hard to describe. Yes, yeah. and I've been, ever since I first heard something from him, I've been in love with his style ever since. Like, mm-hmm. I will pick up a Tempe Sato OST and go ex- get excited for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, funny enough, I wasn't originally going to pick this track, for eons, I was talking about, I'm going to get Scramble Cross on the show. I'm going to get Scramble Cross on the show, which is the original track I wanted to play, which is like the mid-boss battle theme. Uh, but this track is like the big-boss battle theme. Not like a final, but like, you know, like bigger than mid-boss, but not quite final. Um, and I love this track. I feel as though it does a better job of displaying what he can do. This is probably one of his better tracks, even. So mm. in the end, I was like, no, I want to put this one on instead of the other one. As far as the game, I feel like The Witch in the Hundred Night 2 is a very prime example of people needing to really listen to why people say they like or dislike a game. Mm. Because I rated this game very highly. And it's flawed to all kingdom come. <laughs> it's got some issues. It's got some it? issues. And yeah. I honestly didn't care. Because worth putting into context the fact that when I got the code to review, I was obsessed with this game, and I played. And you know how I am with games. I had a week to review it, and this is. And for those who are like a week to review a JRPG, most review outlets are this way. So just okay. Um, and I'm a hobbyist reviewer. I don't have. It's not my full time job. Right. So with all that in mind, I played through the entire game in a week because I was obsessed with it. I wanted to see the end of it. Because I liked the characters, I liked the dialogue, I liked the plot, mm-hmm. I liked everything about it. But the problem that the game actually had was that the Nipponichi as a studio, their big problem, for better or worse, is that they have very low budgets for like everything they do, mm-hmm. which usually results in like reused assets, uh, shortcuts. And essentially, you can still point like, okay, the gameplay is great, but now I'm tired of it. I wanted to stop. Okay, repetitive in a way. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I got to, and you while you were watching a video earlier while we were playing the track, you might have noticed the main character was just dashing past a lot of enemies at one point. Mm-hmm. That's because eventually you're like, I don't need to fight him. I just want to get to the next boss and story bit. I see. I see. And that happened with this game. Like I wanted to see the next guy. I want to see the next thing. 
And in the end, the only reason I didn't beat the game proper mm-hmm. is because I got to the very final boss. I lost to the boss because the boss was actually surprisingly tough for me. And I didn't feel like leveling up to beat him because I was like, I just don't want to play it enough like, to do that. You've seen it all. I've seen yeah, it all. I can look up a, the ending on YouTube. That's I don't a shame, care. but you still rated it very highly. Yes, and I made sure to explain why mm. I did that because I think they did a great job here. And if it wasn't the studios, the hands of a studio that had money to burn, it would have been a. Like, been a it would have been way yeah. better. Um, but I still thought it deserved a good bit of praise. That's it's good. a great game, or it's got it's got great elements worthy of praise. Well, we are coming to the end of the show, which means it is now time for the bonus round. Bonus round. Bonus round is where we're playing covers and arrangements and remixes on our show. But guess what? We're not doing that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, we're, I pick it for more games. I just instead I picked a track with vocals on it. Mm-hmm. That, that usually works for the bonus round. We kind of showcase more singing, sing songy. Mm-hmm. So this this is the only one I watched the the gameplay for, and I watched a lot of it because <laughs> it just it pulled me in. This is called Retired Men's Nude Beach Volleyball, nude. That's correct. Um, it's composed by Calvero and Will Brierly. This is the theme song to the game. It's it's kind of short, and it's just I thought it was a joke, and then I started watching it, and I'll get I'll explain it later. But it is not. It is. So full of heart, and it's got so much soul, and it looks terrible, but like I feel like for a good reason, and um, and I really liked it. So we're gonna listen to the theme song to Retired Men's Nude Beach Volleyball. You gotta play with your heart, give it all that you got. <laughs> Take your shot, serve it up on the ball with everything you. No joke. This is my. This is gonna be in my top ten of the year. Like that. That feels so good. It feels so good. Retired, <laughs> man. So I'll say, like, you start the game and and you're just. It's it's almost like a visual novel style. You're talking to a, the referee of the league, and he's like, "Okay, look, you probably know volleyball, but let me teach you our volleyball rules." Okay, and it's like it's one on one. You're like, okay, we play the 25. Okay, no spiking and no and no jumping and none of that. And you're like, okay, I got it. No diving for the ball, I guess, because you're nude. That makes sense. And he's like, because you know, that pe- would be painful. People have, you know, we're all getting up there in age, and so we're being careful. Da da da. And then he goes on to be like, and you know, when you're out there, you know, you may feel like you need to talk to the other player, and so be respectful of their time. And you're like, all right, okay, that makes sense. And he's like, and make sure to open up to them too. 
and make sure that you talk about your feelings so that they feel like they're welcomed and being seen. And I'm like, okay, what kind of game is this? <laughs> Where is this going? And um, and it goes on and on and on. And and then you are you are going from game to game, and you you have to drive there. You have to be on time. <laughs> and um, and you're constantly asking yourself, like as you're serving the ball. Like the gameplay is is really silly, and it's kind of like just a just back and forth. These two like cartoony nude old men hitting a ball back and forth. But then like you're going to hit, like you go to serve, and it zooms in on your face, and you see thought bubbles. And it's like I wonder why my son didn't call me today, you know. And then he hits the ball, and then like the other guy's talking to you, and he's like telling him about like his family, and it's just it's really amazing. And you realize this game is all about being vulnerable with other men and opening up and becoming friends because you have to be because you're nude playing volleyball, volleyball. <laughs> in the beach. It's really amazing. And as silly as it is, it, it worked so, so well. And the ending was like kind of like a weird twist. Didn't expect, I won't give it away. If you want to watch it, it's only a couple hours of, of the full game that's <laughs> on YouTube. I can say it's right worth here. your time. Probably. I mean, for this song alone, worth your money. I can definitely say, full disclosure, this is actually the one game that I did not review. But there's something to be said here because when this game name came up in the show notes, like this is what we're going to be reviewing today, I lost it. I was like, what kind of heck game? Yeah. The, I can't wait to hear what the hell kind <laughs> yeah, of this game is the one this I, I is. didn't see your name on, but like it said like it was a discussion at the end, and I was like, oh, I've got to play from this. And I heard the music, and I said, we're playing this no matter what. Yes. Yeah. And then the discussion that you were mentioning that came up was like it was meant to just be the review, mm. but it became the discussion because the folks who played the game were so like in love and passionate mm. about what the game did, like the stuff you're describing, for example. Like they were just enamored with what they did. And how they took this on the surface goofy premise, yeah, and turned it into this heartfelt message with characters you actually care about. Oh, really? Yeah, really cared about. What's the word I'm thinking about? Subversion. They subverted. It was it subverted. Subverted. They, they subverted. subverted your ex- interests, your yeah. expectations. Like you're coming, like, oh, here comes a joke, and you're like, wow, my feelings. Yeah. I didn't expect to get. I was those expecting. Today. I was expecting like the silly like shower with your dad simulator, you know. But it wasn't. It was. It was so much more. And so I'm sitting there in the office. Me and my wife share an office, and. And in the house, and I'm like watching this thing. I'm like, oh, this is going to be silly. And I told my wife what it was. And then I kept watching. I'm like, this is amazing. This is amazing. <laughs> like, you have to watch this. This is so good. Yes. Like, um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you a little, a little bit about the twist. The tw- even the twist is is really good. Like, it's it's kind of silly, but like, it fits. It all really, really fits. And it's all thematic, too, which is really cool. So, so yeah, it's got a silly name. It's got an even sillier theme song, which is sung with. So much conviction. Oh yeah, <laughs> I was like feeling it. Yeah, just I was like the tapping game. on the chair, like yeah. you We might go. We might go out on that song one more time. So, uh, <laughs> all right, so what is what's your track? Because it's not as good as mine. Oh, I, I'm, not, I'm not denying <laughs> that. This comes from a game that um, I just like the music in it. Really, the game is fun, but it's the music that I really dug the most. Um, this comes from the game Record of Agares War Marriage with one R. Um, and it's the, just the mini boss battle theme, and I have no idea who composed it. All right, let's check it out. Mm-hmm. 
Welcome back. You're listening to the battle theme, not the mini boss theme, <laughs> from the game Record of Agares War Marriage with one R by a composer whose name I don't recall. And it's kind of funny because this is probably, I did review this for um, SML. And while the game itself isn't bad, this is also one of those games where I'm like, that didn't stick with me after a certain number of months. It's mm. another harem RPG in the Record of Agaris War series, but unlike the other Record of Agaris War games, this is not a uh, tactical strategy RPG. This is a turn-based RPG, mm. but the same premise of, like, you know, eventually siring a child and then the child becoming the character in the next generation, i.e. the second half of the game, is still intact in this game. Um, that's the main point of this one, in fact. That's Because the demon lord gets resurrected, and so does the hero, and as far as, like, the, their child or whatever. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, the thing about it that made me really stick with it is, again, the OST, because long after I wasn't thinking about the video game itself, that music, oh, man, I love the battle theme in this game. It sounds so good. I was telling the Rob in the break, I really wish more RPGs and games in general put make use of the like wind instruments and their compositions. Yeah, I didn't catch it at first. Like when when the when the oh, when the violin or the strings came in under the track, onto this virtual tennis track. Uh, <laughs> I was like, what is what's making this sound like? It's a little more elevated, a little a little different. Like when when that like the big thing came in, the big violin came in, and it was the flute. There was a flute kind of harmonizing a little bit in the background, and that's it's really it's really clever. It's a pop. Yeah, this, yeah. this track is, I, I I will listen to this at work can, like regularly. It'll just be playing in the office, and people will walk by, I was like, wow, that sounds really good. I'm like, yeah. yeah. I, I got good taste in music. It, it does have like a Falcom feel to it. Yes. A little bit. I, I think it's the violin. It's it's not as fast as some of the Falcom tracks will be. Yeah, this is this isn't yeah. a rock your face off. Yeah, yeah. This is more of a like we were saying earlier, like, kind of swaying on the other side of the battlefield, waiting for your turn. Yeah, it's got a good groove to it. It's got a good battle groove, which is good. You need that in a battle theme. I think I may well be the only person I know that has in his spare time and like I'm going to perfect my battle stance. Like just get yeah. like a get like a stick a bat and just like flip it in the air and catch it like yeah you know did, someone's did. you're at work and someone's like walking past your office like should we go in and say hi to Pernell and really he's like and you're sitting in there like holding like a like a I don't know like a poster tube <laughs> and your other hand you got a stapler and you're rocking back and forth and like let's let's give him some time let's we'll come back we'll come back later oh he's working on his battle animation that's okay <laughs> yeah. we'll come back later. <laughs> Well, for more information on the bonus round of our show, part of our show, you can go to rhythmandpixels.com. We have links to all of the artists, uh, SoundClouds, and Bandcamps, and uh, websites, and everywhere where you can go and find the music and buy the music and these games and, and support these amazing artists. All right, thank you for joining us on episode 32-8 of Rhythm and Pixels. This is the Purnell Multiverse, <laughs> in which we're... Uh, the multiverse at, of reviewness, the yeah. multiverse of oddities. I mean, I, you've been doing this a long time. I mean, not just our show, but like, I mean, six years of game reviews. Yeah. So it, you've, it's a long, long time. And it's something to it, too, because like, I've had people in the past ask me, like, well, why do you keep doing it? You clearly have more games than you'll probably ever play in your lifetime. Um, and also, like, whereas all my friends have beaten Elden Ring probably five times over, I'm still nowhere near the end of that game because I play review games. Um, and they'll be like, well, why don't you just stop and play Elden Ring? And the answer is, to be quite frank, there's a few reasons to it. One, I, and you can tell from this episode specifically, 
I get a lot of cool music that I would have never found otherwise from games that I've been tasked to review. Mm-hmm. Like games I would have never purchased, games I would have probably never played. There have been games that I reviewed that went from being, what the heck is this crap, to this is my favorite game this year. Hmm. Like, And then the OST to match. Uh, I like having access to that. I like having extra fodder for the show. I just enjoy having new dialogue to talk about, too, because another reason to describe what I like for it is, like, it's up there with, like, when you talk about how your parents were, like, listening to music that they liked in high school and they never let it go. <laughs> yeah. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that can happen with video games a lot of times, too. We get caught up in these, like, scenarios where it's, like, it's always Streets of Rage 2. And I use this as an example because I always <laughs> I love that argument. It's a fun argument for me. But, like, no matter how many beat-em-ups come out, no matter how many refinements or changes take place, people will just go, Streets of Rage 2. And I'm like... Yeah, it's a great game, but you know there are other games that have come out that deserve just as much attention to mm. give them a chance as you love Streets of Rage 2. But the reason why we love it so much, aside from the fact that it's legitimately good, is because it was a game we played in our formative years. It stuck with us, and we don't let it go. Like, when you play a lot of games in mass like I do, I come across games like, that's how I learned about Fighting Range. I played it as a review title. Right. You find these games like, wow. These are the next generation. These are the classics for this generation. Mm-hmm. These are the games that kids that were our age when we played Season Race 2 will remember as their big games. Yeah, it, it feels good. It, it's a, a fun way to explore you know, new stuff and stay fresh. Yes. Yeah, stay fresh with that stuff. Oh, the, the quote of Splatoon 2 character, stay fresh. <laughs> the Nintendo language. <laughs> the quote of Pl- Splatoon character, <laughs> <laughs> that's what they do. <laughs> yeah, I'll take your word for it. So, like, the track that's playing on the end here, Rob chose it, which I think is interesting. Oh, this yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell me about this game and why you love it so much. Tell me tell me all about the, the de- yeah, tell me all about this one. <laughs> well, first of all, I think <laughs> the game's hilarious. So I no shame here. Uh, this um, comes from the game Gal Gun Double Piece. This is a really weird game, and actually there's a funny little trivia bit at the end I got to mention about this game, too. Um, the premise is really stupid. Uh, you are a high school kid who can't get a date. Um, and you're just kind of mild-mannered. Sure, sure you are. Go on. Oh, but this is the truth. <laughs> um, so, so in this world, there are angels and there are demons. Um, the angel has is tasked with using her Cupid's arrow to help characters fall in love with you know their soulmate or whatever. So she's this main one. Her name is Ekaro. She's on her first day on the job. She's trying to pass to get her official angel's license. And she's tasked with helping this one, you know, unlucky kid fall in love. But she overcharges her love gun and hits him with a shot so powerful that it maxes out his entire lifetime's worth of pheromone potential in one day. So every girl on the planet wants to love him, wants him. And he has to find true love in 24 hours or he will never find love again. (laughs) Uh, So... The funny thing is, I didn't even get to the funny part yet. That's just the fact that the game is like, you know, all these women love him. Uh, and I don't care about the demon part, because that's kind of a weird part. The other element of the game, and how the gameplay works, is that, like I said, all the women in his school and around him want him. And they're chasing after him. So as he's walking around town and through his school and stuff, trying to fulfill, like, you know, level objectives and stuff, women are chasing after yeah. him, trying to hit him the love letters and make him fall for them. Exactly, but this is a rail shooter. Yes, it's <laughs> a rail the, shooter. And so, like, they're jumping out of uh, you. Out uh, of bushes, like, behind like, cars. Like House of the Dead style. Yes. <laughs> and it's amazing. Like, you'll see a girl just, like, dash across the street. She'll, like, leave a skid trail. And, like, here's my love letter. <laughs> so the way you have to make them, quote, unquote, go away is you shoot them with pheromones. 
Like you actually have a pheromone gun, which is your finger, and you point it and you shoot pheromones at them. I'm not making this up. And you have to shoot them with enough pheromones to make them feel happy, and they will collapse. That's the shooting that's element the of the game. And then there's this dumbo where you can like a, like a doki doki bomb, which like explodes in like hearts. And then all of a sudden, like all the girls are like in this weird like photo pose or whatever, and you gotta like make them feel good all at the same time. Yeah, I'm saying this in a way that this is a rated G podcast. Yes. So I'm describing it in a, in a good way. So, uh, uh, yeah, I love it when the game grumps play games that are very embarrassing, and this is one of them. This so. is definitely one um, of them. Because, yeah. like, this you, is not the game you play <laughs> on the subway. Yeah, if you want to. Yeah, totally. And the funny thing about the game, though, is that yeah. I do not deny that this premise is stupid. And I didn't get to the best. I forgot. I do need to mention this about the demon. So, when the demon interferes, she contaminates. The love-struck girls, so they become, sun, I guess the anime term is sundari love-struck girls. So they hate you, but they love you. So now they're not just trying to make you love them. They want to beat you. So, like, <laughs> the girl kick you on the floor, starts stomping on you, like, I love you! Yeah, how this many more uh, things can we add to uh It's so yeah. weird. It's a weird game. And also, the, the trivia bit I wanted to mention, it's got probably one of the stupidest and also most expensive DLCs I've ever seen. How much? So, there's a DLC item. It mm. costs $90. It's called Pheromone Z. The game itself costs $60. This DLC costs 90 So for $150, what are you getting for now? You get an item you can buy at the in-game store with in-game currency. So you still have to buy it. And all it lets you do is see, like, it gives you x-ray specs. Oh, amazing. So 90, 90 bucks to, to see some of that. Yeah. You get an eyeful. It's the most stupid wow. DLC I've ever seen in my life. Wow. That's and I chortle every time. For, for, this, for this game company... It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Because I want to see I wish. They they can keep it anonymous for the sake of whoever wants to buy it, but I wish they would release the sales specifics of how many people bought it. I would love to know how many people paid 90 bucks for it. I want to know. Something went into that decision, too. It would be like, so they had to know it was going to be $90. Oh, it's a whale. It's whaling in a different manner. Like, same thing. Yeah, it's it's a horny whale. Horny whale. (laughs) I think was that a narwhal <laughs> or sperm whale? <laughs> Narwhaling, yeah. Um, that's not for that. That's that's interesting. Fun music though. Oh, the music in the game is great. The actual gameplay is fun, except yeah. for the certain events where I was like, nope, that's why I stopped playing the game. Exactly. So uh, I, I wanted to finish the, our show with this music because because it sounded like a like an anime theme song style, you mm-hmm. know. And the music is good. There's a track. I think I played a track from this game yeah, on a previous episode that I really like. Yeah, that's why it came to mind. I was, I was going through the games we reviewed, and I was like, oh, that's right. You've done that weird one. Oh, yeah, I got, um, some, I got a couple of weapons <laughs> here. So anyway, if you'd like to get in contact with our show, if you'd like to say hello to me and Pernell, if you want to say some anything, um, if you have a track suggestion or topic suggestion or a recipe suggestion, please send us an email. Rhythmandpixels at hotmail.com, which reminds me, yeah. uh, Martyrus called us back on something I said episodes ago and oh, then totally forgot. Dip. We, we got to put this on the sheet before I even leave tonight so uh, make sure we don't forget. All right, hold on. Let's do this. We're getting all meta. <laughs> <laughs> Always got to get meta. Um, uh, uh, templates, uh, episodes. Going. No, there's a list. <laughs> you're going to find it. I'm going to find it. Well, like, while you're looking, I'm going to state it. Uh, so basically a few episodes back, I made the mention that we were planning to do an episode on Pirates versus Ninjas. Yes. Um, 
and we do need to do that. And for the sake of context, the idea isn't so much one episode. It's got to be two um, because one episode is one of us is batting for pirates. The other is batting for ninjas. And on the next episode, we switch the roles. So essentially, you bring your best ninja teams and your best pirate teams, and we see who best can represent that side of the spectrum. Ah, that was Carlos's idea. Was it? Yeah, I had that written down there. Oh, yeah. All right. So is that it? That was the thing. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> we have some other ones on here, too. Oh, um, we got a list. Yeah. Too yep. many mechs. Um, games that feel like jobs. Anyway, um, go to our website to find a full track listing of this episode and all our episodes. Rhythmandpixels.com. And um, you can get also um, downloads from all of our episodes. Everything's all organized there by world. And you can uh, even keyword search specific tunes or um, uh, uh, composers. That'll help you out there. And for... Um, you can go to uh, uh, YouTube.com. I'm, I'm really off base right now. <laughs> it's, it's past pumpkin hour. Uh, yeah, it is past pumpkin hour. Um, I'm ready for some pumpkin. Um, go to uh, YouTube.com slash Rhythm and Pixels. I have a, a 24, 7, 8-bit, and 16-bit radio station playing there. You put a lot of work I, in I've done a lot with that, so go check that out. The chat will be back on eventually. There's just been spam bots like crazy. I don't know why. So, and all of our um, all of our podcast episodes are up there as well. If you like to uh, consume your media through YouTube, the you YouTube can do it way. Um, so go check that out. And um, if you want to support the show, the best thing you could do is to tell people about it. You can um, you know re- share it on something. on Facebook or Twitter. And Pernell forgot about something. You know what? what I just realized. What's that? The term YouTube doesn't make sense in the modern era. Um, you. Tube. Yeah, so what did tube refer to? Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's not so longer a tube anymore. Right? And it was a tube when YouTube first came to light. And now, yeah, no one's using those. You screen. It's yeah, ULCD. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about that. You, uh, I don't know. I think anything else would probably end up as a porn site. <laughs> God, no. <laughs> probably. Like, it's been like, or someone has sat on the on the URL and they're trying to they're sell. waiting. It. Yeah, they're waiting for the domain. Um, anyway, um, to support the show uh, is to share it. You can um, like or subscribe on it on whatever platform that you're on. That's very helpful. You can also go to Patreon, patreon.com slash Rhythm and Pixels. Um, as, a, as a member there at any level, you get access to a monthly live streamed episode. Our live stream episode for the month of May will probably be in the first week of June, just because we have a few guests lined up for the next couple episodes. And it also gives me time to find where I mentioned in the last live stream yeah. episode what the new topic's going to be. Right. That gives us two weeks. Uh, so three weeks. Yeah. So in four weeks and then three weeks. Anyway, it's going to happen. Um, and we'll have we'll, we'll, the Patreon so- topics we usually have advertised on our social media and on our Discord. Our Discord can be found at the top of our website, rhythmandpixels.com. Um, but yeah, you get access to those live streams through our Patreon. Um, you also get access to some cool stuff. Or not access, but you get, you can get cool stuff like merchandise, like mugs, stickers, t-shirts, all available on the website. And, I mean, not the website, on the Patreon. And we also like to thank all of our Patreon members who are at the highest levels at the end of every episode. And that list is getting longer. I appreciate it. And, honestly, and yeah, I'm, I'm committing a- to it. I, 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 that's, what part, that's part of what makes it kind of cool, too. It's like, it's, there's a nice bit of growth here. Yeah. And th- the best part is, like, I feel like a lot of it happened in the last two months. Yeah, a lot of it happened pretty quickly. So thank you all so much. Um, we'd like to thank Brooke. Thank you very, very much. 
Uh, frankly, Zappa, again, again, top, top tier member. We're about to actually start playing Monster Hunter. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's great. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. Um, I want to thank the number one. Thank you. Uh, I want to thank GameFan44, Mike Myers, Alf Person, Fashion8060, um, Alex the Messenger from A VGM Journey, a fantastic podcast, uh, Andreas Milberg, Brian Pitt, Cameron Warma, Carlos, Kung Fu Carlito from the Heroes 3 podcast, a podcast all about uh, Asian cinema and Kung Fu movies, uh, Chris Dienerson, Chris Wisner, a.k.a. Musashi219. The wise guy. Uh, thank you for that message. He sent me a whole thing on... Um, a vinyl release of a game I can't remember right now. Oh, uh, Fantasy Star. Nice. Uh, Christopher Shenstrom, Chuck Kowalski, Davey Cakes, David Taylor, Enchilada Regol, Harold Howard, Jeff Maziota, the Tri-Jeff, Triple Jeff. Triple Jeff. Justin Schneider from XVGM Radio, um, a fantastic VGM podcast. Uh, Keith Shusterman, Martyrus, uh, host of the VGM Porium, right? Yes, sir. No, no, no. That's Rage Cage, right? Yeah, he's the one. But Martyrus is the host of ReVGM. ReVGM. Re I got it mixed up. Uh, ReVGM. Pumpkin Hour. That's po- yes, what well, well, my brain's going to mush. Um, the host of the ReVGM podcast, Martyrus. It's a great podcast of covers and remixes and arrangements of VGM tunes. I want to thank Michael Bridgewater from the uh, Forever Sound Version podcast. Long ago, but still... Still in our hearts. Still in our hearts is the Forever Sound Version podcast. And still... In our soul is Michael Bridgewater. Uh, Rage Cage, host of the VGM Porium. I'll wait for you to say host of ReVGM. Wait a minute. <laughs> I know. I almost got, just, maybe they'll have a crossover episode. I want to thank Reinhardt Silkova, Sleepy S'more, Steve Miller, Taco, and Ed Wilson, host of the VG Embassy. Embassy. Um, yeah. Another great, great show. A great host. And hopefully we'll see him uh, uh, this year at... Uh, the Retro World Expo. Keep in mind, I mean, if we don't get a panel there, we could always still technically just go. We can just go. I think we might just go. But it would be fun to have a thing. I, oh, I agree. We got a good thing going on. But we, we will be uh, next month, June, the end of June, We will, Pernell and I will be at Too Many Games in the greater Philadelphia area. We'll be uh, talking games, talking music, listening to music. It's going to be the show, but with a lot more audience participation and yelling. A which, lot more yelling. Which I'm looking forward to because, like, Starting to get some ideas, and I like. Hope you, hope you do the thing you did last time. Cause oh yeah, especially because we couldn't get the recording, so it'll be like, it'll be fresh for the listeners. I'm gonna plan. I'm gonna prepare. I'm gonna plan. I'm gonna prepare. <laughs> and then we're gonna get there. It's gonna be coffee, beer, coffee, beer, coffee, beer. You know, <laughs> yeah, they make coffee beers. Then do the show and then crash <laughs> <laughs> in a hotel or in your bed. You can drive me home, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you can see me uh, uh, taking a nap in the virtual on uh, cabinet. <laughs> Tim Jin approves. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's uh, that's the end of our show. Um, next week we have um, a very special guest all the way from Brazil, Dideco, uh, the VGM DJ. And he's just putting out mixes on YouTube. I, I think he's spinning live. I, I can't wait to have him on the show. We're recording that this week, by the way. Yes. Um, and then next, the next week after that, we got Matt. Matt's coming back on the show. Matt it's, from Pernell and Matt Play Games. It's been a while, and I'm looking forward to it. It's he been also a while. He ultimately said, you got to remind me, Pernell. I was like, oh, I know, and I won't forget. Yeah, he is the man with a smooth, smooth voice and a great, great, great taste in music. We'll have him on the show after that. So, um, yeah, that's all we've got. So thanks for listening to the show. My name is Rob Pickles. And I'm Pernell. We'll see you next week. Good night. And remember, so I guess it's kind of as I mentioned on the show earlier in a sense, uh, 
I know there's like the stigma in a lot of ways about you know reviews this and reviews that, but there's something to be said about being subjected to games that you would have just straight up ignored any other sense of the word and learning about them and potentially finding out that they are the game that you wanted and needed but didn't know you needed. Uh, I think Loop Hero is a fine example of that for a lot of people last year. That was like a big hit that nobody knew about or was expecting to be good. Um, but a lot of the ways you come across that is by just like perusing review sites, like looking through just a general list, like what are the games that came out this week? What are people saying about it? Not just not because you personally wanted it, but just because sometimes it's just nice to see what games are being highly rated. That game got a high rating? Why? I got to read and find out. And then you learn about it and you're like, you know what? I'm going to go off of my pre-made game shopping list and just give this wacky, weird, unexpected title a try. Because I tell you, I stand by my belief. Anytime we do these like top 10 game lists of the year on this show or on SML or anywhere, or hey, poor player, mm-hmm. I always come out of the cup with these games that are like, you chose that. I'm like, you bet your butt I chose that. <laughs> yes, I chose overall the big, big boys because at the end of the day, this feels more special. This feels more, there's more love and passion in it. It's not a, a game mill. It's not milled out. Um, so, yeah, just step outside of your normal world of gaming. Find some new interests or unexpected love. Also, make some great conversations, too.